What do you get when you cross a bat and a pangolin? Oh, God. What? Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Welcome to your favorite podcast, <laughs> Brad is a Bad Person. My name is Morgan. I am the host of this podcast, and I am a good Christian. I'm joined, as always, by Lachlan. Hello. Who is a militant atheist. No, and that's- by Brad. Well, I mean, okay. <laughs> and by Brad. Hi. Who has converted to Judaism in a desperate attempt to legally cover himself for what he said last episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a bunch of so today we're talking about <laughs> today we're talking about isolation. Many of us around the world are currently living in some sort of isolation. The Chinese coronavirus pandemic is continuing and uh-huh. there is uncertainty about how long we are expected to stay in our houses before things can return to normal. Human beings are social animals. We're not supposed to live in isolation. For the overwhelming majority of people, our mental health depends on having genuine relationships and connections. And speaking to someone over the phone or on Skype isn't the same as being able to be physically in their presence. It's a tough time for many of us, but people have gone through worse. Today we'll be talking about three true stories of isolation. The Barrier of loneliness, the palpable, desperate need of the human animal to be with his fellow man. Up there, up there in the vastness of space, in the void that is sky, up there is an enemy known as isolation. It sits there in the stars waiting, waiting with the patience of eons, forever waiting in the twilight zone. <laughs> How are we today, guys? <laughs> what was I was that? with the whole self-isolation okay. lockdown thing. I was um, good until I, you just- I, I hate it. I fucking... Um, this is just awful. I've been working from home for a few weeks now, and it's just a need to leave my house. <laughs> I need time on my own. I want to be isolated, <laughs> but I'm just <laughs> fucking stuck. It's not uh, isolation if you got people with you. That's right. Uh, well, I, like I was saying, I was, I was having a good day until you just made me have an existential crisis thinking about the <laughs> void of space. Oh. Um, I was yeah. I was thinking about The Twilight Zone. I watched a couple episodes this week, but there's a few episodes of The Twilight Zone about isolation. And, mm-hmm. of course, Rod Sterling does his intro narration and his closing narration. And uh, th- that was one of his um, outro narrations. And it was uh, I thought it was quite apt. So, I thought I'd throw that in and, you know, give you that. Yeah. Night Shyamalan twist at twist. the end. So you thinking I wrote it, but I didn't. <laughs> it was pretty profound. I, I was never uh, sold on you writing that, so don't worry about that. <laughs> I'm not that clever. Yeah. Well, none of us are that profound. Speak for yourself. Right, well, bef- before we get started today, I want to remind everybody to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you leave us a nice review on iTunes, we'll give you a shout out during the show to say thank you. If you want to get in contact with us and suggest an episode idea or just say hi, please do. We always love interacting with our fans and you can do that on any of our social media or through our website, bradisabadperson.com. If you really, really like us and you can buy us a beer through paypal.me slash bradisabadperson. But really, the best thing you can do to support the show is to tell a friend to listen. Smash that like button. Tell your dad to listen. (laughs) Lachlan, do you want to get started by cracking open a cold one with the boys? It's time to crack open a cold one with the boys. So, uh, as we all know, still playing this game sent to me by uh, one Nick. 
Now, last week I rolled a five, which is a Desperado. Um, I could not find anywhere that sells Desperado. The only places I could find were online and it was going to take weeks to ship. With all this coronavirus shit going on, probably months, who fucking knows. Um, (laughs) I couldn't find it anywhere. You failed. I failed, but I googled it. It is a... It's a tequila-flavoured lager, which just sounds fucking oh, awful. Um, which, I mean, if the other choices on this list so far have been anything to go by, it would be fucking awful. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, I've still got a beer. It's a great northern super crisp. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to drink it. You're really going out of the comfort zone there, haven't you? <laughs> wow, that's what was in my fridge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> All right, so we're going to roll the we're going to roll the dice for uh, next week and hopefully we'll get something that is purchasable in my local area this time. Okay. It's a 3, which is Red Stripe. Never heard of it, but I uh Look forward to trying to find That's it. That's a very good beer. It's, it's a <laughs> Jamaican look, beer. I look forward oh. to you not having that next week. Jamaican me crazy. <laughs> I think that one might be hard to find as well. You might have to go to a damn movies or something. Oh. But I, um, I think if you were after a tequila-flavoured beer, you mm. probably could have just put a shot of tequila in that Great Northern one. I considered it, but I didn't want to do that to myself. <laughs> do, you, do you have tequila in the house right now? Yeah. I think you need to do it. Nah, me. I don't think so. Uh, I think we can wait. Yeah, we can wait. I don't think anyone wants to hear that. All right, so today we're talking about isolation. <laughs> Lachlan, do you want to get us started? Boy, howdy. Do I ever. Hey, Vsauce, Michael here. I think most of you listening have probably seen at least one video from the YouTube channel Vsauce. Host Michael Stevens makes videos asking and answering strange, often philosophical questions like... Will we ever run out of new music? Why are things creepy? (laughs) Did the past really happen? And how many holes does a human have? (laughs) In January of 2017, to help YouTube sell their premium subscriptions, uh, it's called YouTube Premium now, it was called YouTube Red at the time, Vsauce Mm -hmm. launched a YouTube Originals series called Mind Field. That's Mind Field. M-I-N-D mm. field. Like a field for the mind. You get it? It's a play on words. Yeah, it is. It's like so, minefield, but for the mind. I, before we move on, YouTube Red, how many yep. kids do you think just went and looked up RedTube trying to get like oh, a red man. version of YouTube? <laughs> so many. That's so actually, many. yeah, they, they didn't really think that through, did they? That is a PR disaster. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Before you continue- like Probably that, why they changed I, it I to YouTube Premium. I've watched a few Vsauce videos, and Uh when he says that thing at the start every time he goes, hey, Vsauce, Michael here, it sounds Uh like he's saying hello to a person named Vsauce, and then he's saying what his name is. Hey, Vsauce, (laughs) Michael here. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's just every time he says it, I'm just like, what? I think that's what he is saying. He's not saying, hey, Vsauce, Michael here. Well, who's Vsauce then? People call him, Vsauce is the channel. Yeah. People call so him so Vsauce hello Michael to the as channel a channel that he's uploading a video to. Yes, correct. Uh, Why would he call himself Vsauce I Michael? That's weird. <laughs> I don't get the internet. 
<laughs> you don't get Why is he saying hello to his own channel? I don't start this podcast by saying, hello, Brad is a bad person. Morgan here. Like, <laughs> wouldn't that be a stupid thing to do? Well, <laughs> people call him Vsauce Michael as a joke on the fact that he says, hey, Vsauce Michael here. <laughs> Continue with your story. Okay. <laughs> Vsauce launched a YouTube Originals series called Mindfield, investigating the depths of the human mind and psyche. The very first episode of Mindfield was titled Isolation. Mm. Just like this episode of Brad is a Bad Person. Mm -hmm. We will be working our way through all the Vsauce videos. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) This episode asks... What does extreme isolation do to a person? And to answer that question, Stevens isolates himself. Oh. Picture a room three metres long and three metres wide. Inside that room, there is a bed, a toilet, and a sink. The walls are padded for soundproofing, and there is a single light in the middle of the ceiling that never turns off. Everything is white. The walls, the floor, the clothes Stevens is wearing, right down to the bottles of Soylent that are his only source of food. This room is designed specifically to provide the absolute minimum stimulation possible, which I think the Soylent falls into that as well. It's just like gross liquid nutrition. It's not food. It's a Soylent grain. That'd be very stimulating. (sighs) Soylent grains, people. (laughs) (laughs) It is thought by psychologists that less than three days in isolation can start to cause irreversible brain damage. Vsauce Michael is about to spend three days <laughs> in this room. No, wait. See, that, so that me never saying, goes off, right? It never goes off. Me saying Vsauce Michael there is a joke, but the fact that, Morgs, you don't understand it, it doesn't really work. <laughs> yes, Brad, the light never turns off. Yeah, well, that'll drive you crazy for three days. If it turned off at eight hours at night, he'd be fine. Well, we're going to find out, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, before he locks himself in the room, he has a doctor check his vitals. Blood pressure is 152 over 78. Heart rate is 65 beats per minute. His reflexes are good, and he performs well in cognitive testing. So that's just a baseline. It's all normal. Yep. Yep. He's normal. He is physically normal. He's kind of he's kind of a strange dude. He seems like a nice guy, but he's a bit I don't know eccentric. Yeah, yeah. At ten thirty-five p.m. on Wednesday, Stevens closes the door on the isolation chamber. Immediately, he's bored. He starts talking to the camera about how he's always on his phone or reading a book, always doing something, but he doesn't have anything in here. It's just him and his thoughts. He decides to go to sleep. Mm. He wakes up feeling well-rested. He estimates that it must be around 8 to 9 a.m. Thursday morning. It's actually 4.52 a.m. He spends the next hours trying to keep himself occupied, doing push-ups and squats, teaching himself to recite the alphabet backwards, and counting his steps as he paces back and forth next to the bed. He states to the camera that by now he thinks it must be around 7.30 p.m. on Thursday. It's only 11.30 a.m. (laughs) Oh my god. Stevens is clearly using his appetite to try and gauge time at this point. The problem with this is that the body's hormones and other chemical signals are influenced heavily by the circadian rhythm, and the circadian rhythm is dictated almost entirely by exposure to light. 
Michael has been in this room with the light on for 13 hours. He has no idea how long he slept and no way of telling the time. His normal bodily function has already been thrown all out of whack. At this point, he is very visibly bored. He spends hours pacing back and forth and aimlessly fiddling with anything in the room that isn't screwed down. He's desperately trying to keep his mind active. He tells the camera that he thinks it has now been about 24 hours since he went into the room. The current time is 3.35 p.m. (laughs) Stevens goes to sleep again. When he wakes up, he addresses the camera. Good morning, he says. It's 4.50 p.m., still on Thursday. He slept for a little over an hour. (laughs) He spends the next few hours talking to the camera. He notes how much he thinks the camera is helping. The fact that he can speak to someone other than himself is making a huge difference in his ability to get through this. I just feel like I've really lost all connection to time, Stevens tells the camera. But I'm guessing it's uh, 8pm, maybe 9pm on Friday. The time in the outside world is 1.50am early Friday morning. Oh, God. Again, he goes to sleep. When he wakes up, he tells the camera he thinks it's about 9am Saturday morning. He gives an excited chuckle as he notes that today is the day he gets out of this room. The real time is 8.24am, Friday. (laughs) Michael's perception of time is now out by a full 24 hours. I think it's now 8pm on Saturday, Stephen tells the camera at 2.21pm on Friday. So in about a couple of hours, I should see that door open. Now, I think this is what really starts to highlight how awful solitary confinement is. When your conception of the passage of time is removed, both your body and your mind suffer. Stevens spends the next few hours sitting on the bed, waiting for the door to open. Eventually, he looks at the camera and says, I don't think I'm getting out today. He seems broken, exasperated, depressed. A fear I have right now is that it's just Friday and that there's still just a lot of time left. His fear is warranted. It's 6.24pm on Friday. (laughs) From here on in, Stevens really starts to lose it. He starts talking about how the light has been changing colour when he wakes up. In reality, the light hasn't changed at all. He tells the camera that he's struggling to think coherently now. He's forgetting, in the middle of sentences, what he was talking about. He starts looking for things that were never there, paranoid that they've disappeared... And he actually loses the ability to count. What really? What? Yeah, he was he was looking at nine, like a stack of nine empty water bottles, and he was saying that there was six there, and it was very clear, like they weren't stacked weird. They it was very clear there was nine, and he kept saying it was six. Oh my god! He tells the camera that the only dreams he can remember while he's been in the room are about being in the room. It's clear that he's losing his grip on reality. The line between being asleep and being awake is blurry for him at best. It's now 8.22am on Saturday morning and Stevens has stopped trying to guess what time it is. He's absolutely miserable. He's agitated and aggressive. He complains to the camera about the scent of the bar of soap on his sink, how it's all he can smell and he hates it. He's now stopped moving around the room like he was before. Now he just lays or stands in a single spot for hours on end. He falls asleep again and at 5.29pm on Saturday he wakes up looking confused. He doesn't address the camera as he has every other time he's woken up. He just stands in the middle of the room looking around in silence. 
After a few minutes, he grabs the door handle and just stands there, holding it, motionless. He's wondering whether this is real or a dream. Then he opens the door, just a little bit, maybe 10 centimetres, and stands there again, motionless. After a few seconds, he closes the door and walks back into the middle of the room, still visibly confused. I guess not. I guess I just dreamt it, Stephen says to nobody, then lays back down on the bed. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that is creepy. Finally, if you were watching him then, you would be oh, like, yeah. fucking put him there, down. There were his wife and his mum and one of the guys off, uh, I think, Vsauce 2 or Vsauce 3 um, were there watching on cameras and they freaked out. Oh. <laughs> Finally, at 10.35pm on Saturday, Michael is startled by a knock on the door. It's 72 hours, Michael. You can come out. The doctor checks his vitals again. His blood pressure is now 155 over 95 and his heart rate is 83 beats per minute. Interestingly, he now does better on the cognitive tests involving memory and reaction time, but worse on those involving language and communication. Afterwards, mm. Stevens remarked on how uncomfortable, confusing, and scary the experience had been, and how surprised he was at the difficulty of being completely separated from other people. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I think the thing that fucked him up was obviously the lie being on constantly. That's a massive thing. Yeah, absolutely. Without the cues to know when to go to sleep, you get but fucked up real quick. Even even so, if the light was off all the time, it would have been the same. It's just, there's nothing... He's got no way to judge the passage of time. Yeah, so that's what I mean. If the light had come on and turned off, say, you know, for eight hours at a time, yeah, that would give him his body cues, and I think he could have done that for a week easily. I don't know about Maybe, but he was pre- it he was kinda, really fucking bored. Yeah, it no, would kind of no defeat point, the yeah. purpose of it with that. Um, yeah, having the light because then that would kind of act as the sun, so yeah. it would kind of give him an unfair. Not unfair, but it would kind of take away from the experiment. Yeah. Well, yeah, if your experiment was just to put you in a room and have it be white and light all the time, yeah, that's fine. I'm just saying, when you isolate, <laughs> you've still got the sun and windows. So, well, not necessarily. Oh, depends where you are. If you're kept in a dungeon underneath the ground, like a prisoner and something. Yeah, what about, what about uh, solitary confinement in prison? They don't have windows. Yeah, they do. No, they, they let them out no, for they an hour don't. day, though. Yeah, oh, yeah, they do let them out for a day as well. Well, sometimes. And they also turn their lights off at like 8pm every night. So. They're supposed to. Yeah, they do. Mm. I'm, I'm just saying, like, I think it would be interesting to see how someone would go if it was dark all the time. That would, like, I think mm. that would be worse. Oh, that would be really Yeah, creepy. I think that would be yeah. worse. Yeah. But that's still fucked up because it's so bright all the time as well. Maybe if you mm-hmm. painted it a more neutral color, maybe that would help. Yeah, maybe. Mm. It was very, very bright. Yeah, yeah. Was this being live streamed for the world to see, or just for his um, wife and partners? Um, no, or it wasn't. Whatever? It wasn't live streamed. It was all recorded for the video series, obviously. But um, yeah, yeah. The only people watching the live video were like his family, and uh, there was a psychologist and a doctor watching as well. <laughs> Make sure he didn't go fully crazy. Yeah. So how quickly did the psychologist tell him to shoot him when he did that fucking thing <laughs> with the door? Because I would have been put like, him down. He's got the devil in him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, he just it, he just had no idea whether he was awake or asleep because he's in this same room all day and then he goes to sleep yeah. and he dreams about being in this same room all day mm. and it's like how do you how do you know if you're awake or asleep when there's no discernible difference? 
One of one of my favorite TV shows, you guys, is called Survivor. I don't know if you guys watch it as well. I don't. I've heard of it. Um, it's like it's like uh, forty seasons in now. The American one. It's uh-huh. the only one worth watching. But which is ludicrous. In an early in an early season that I watched, I can't remember which one. They had a they actually had a challenge where the challenge was everybody is to sit like in a box that has like the front face open. Uh-huh. So you can't see each other, but you can see out. You're not like totally blocked off. But you have to sit there, no stimulation whatsoever, and you have to like put your flag up when it's been an hour. And the person who gets the closest to an hour wins. So you have to like judge how long is an hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the people did remarkably bad on it. And I've always wanted them to redo that challenge because I really thought it was really interesting. And I really uh-huh. liked it. But um, they haven't done it since as far as it's, I can remember. But I remember it being a really interesting challenge. Like people were doing it after like 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. You know, flitting their flag up. Like they've been sitting there doing nothing for 20 minutes. And they're like, it must have been an hour by now. I yeah, think- because you're, you're completely bored. You've got no stimulation. You've got no way of telling um, how quickly time is passing. So, yeah, it just sort Hamish of- Hamish and Andy, which for our, anyone who's in America, is they used to be radio hosts in Australia. They they did a challenge similar to that a couple of years ago where they put people in storage lockers with a button that they had to press after an hour and the closest to it got $10,000 or something like oh, that. Oh, really? Yeah. and Maybe they watched Survivor. Well, because the people had time to prepare- they all went in with different strategies. Mm, so, yeah. like, some were counting and then moving the chair like a clock to count down certain things. One, The girl who won, though, actually timed out a song, which was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and sung it X amount of times, and she was only yeah. off by, like, five seconds. Ah, okay. Which is yeah, that's, that's the strategy I always thought I'd use if I was in that Survivor Challenge. I was always like, see how long it takes to sing the alphabet yeah. at, like, a pace that's rhythmic and that I... I'm comfortable with and just make sure I can always get it at, you know, like exactly 24 seconds and then figure out how many times I need to sing it and then mm. it'll be an hour. Yeah, it'll be a very you, boring and annoying you, hour, you, but. You just use your fucking internal clock. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking robot. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, so that's, um, you know, after three days in isolation, Michael Stevens lost his fucking mind, so. Uh, oh, if you, you think you totally that's would. bad, just wait for these next two stories. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, All right, so I, I might go next. And um, yeah, well, I was going to start this off by saying if you think self-isolating with your partner or a roommate for a few weeks or months is tough, what about completely alone for 42 years and counting? Oh, oh. That'll do so it. So, Robert, Robert John Maudsley is a goddamned British hero who is currently locked in a 5.5 by 4.5 meter perspex fronted cell. Think of the cell where Hannibal Lecter resides in Silence of the Lambs, and that's pretty much Robert Maudsley's cell. In fact, the British press originally nicknamed Maudsley the Brain Eater due to a since debunked rumor about the nature of his second murder. And after the release of Silence of the Lambs, the press also started referring to him as Hannibal the Cannibal due to the similarities with Anthony Hopkins' character in the 1991 film, not least of all the prison cell, and the unconfirmed presumption that Thomas Harris had based his main character, at least in part, on Maudsley. How many people did this do date? <laughs> Zero, unfortunately. Wow. <laughs> Wait, you said he killed people, right? So I know what you're thinking. A murderer of four people, rumoured to have eaten brains. How is this guy a goddamn British hero, Morgan? Yeah, that's what I was about to ask you, literally. (laughs) 
I chose my words very carefully there. Firstly, Robert Maudsley was damned by God from the moment he was born. <laughs> okay. His parents had 12 children that they couldn't care for. Oh. Robert was born in Liverpool in 1953 as the fourth child, and when he was only six months old, his parents dropped him and his three older siblings off at an or- orphanage. Now, that sounds like a terrible thing to do, but Robert would recall this time at the orphanage fondly. Maybe the best time of his life. <laughs> you know you're fucked up when the orphanage is the best time of your life. I swear he got a taste for human meat. <laughs> <laughs> at the age of nine, his parents asked for their children back, and Robert says he and his siblings were subjected to fish- physical and sexual abuse by their father no. for 11 months before finally being put in foster care. With an absolutely horrible start to life and no one to rely on, Robert became a male prostitute living on the streets of London at the age of only 16. During his time on the streets, he became addicted to drugs, was abused by many Johns who solicited him, and was hospitalised several times for attempting suicide. (laughs) He can't call them Johns, it's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they are. I know, but... Like, it's a serious thing and you call them Johns. It's just... That's what they are. They're Johns. Just call them clients, maybe. (laughs) That's way too professional. Uh, Speaking to a psychiatrist after one suicide attempt, Maudsley claimed to hear voices telling him to kill his parents. Later, after his four murders, he said, if I had killed my parents in 1970, none of these people need have died. You know... (laughs) I'm I'm pretty okay with someone killing their dad if their dad fucking raped them for 11 months. For sure. 100%. I think that's okay. It was almost it was almost inevitable that Robert Maudsley would lash out. Who could endure what he endured without resentment for existence itself and feeling the need for revenge? All too often people who have been wronged take out their anger and resentment on those around them. Anyone who was nearby, whether they deserve it or not. Some even take sick pleasure in purposefully choosing targets who don't deserve it, as some sort of retribution against God or the universe for treating them so poorly. Robert Maudsley, however, channeled his rage and resentment into the most deserving target. In 1974, Maudsley was picked up for sex by a man named John Farrell. During their encounter, Maudsley was shown pictures of Farrell sexually abusing children. Alright, I know where this is going now. Now, the word garrot is often used as a noun, but it can also be used as a verb. Uh In fact, in every single source I read, I could not see the word strangle or even the name of the tool. The only word used is garrot in verb form. So, on that fateful night in 1974, Morsley gloriously garroted the fuck out of this pedophile, making the cold, dark world a slightly better place. Good. For this act of public service to the Crown, Maudsley was sent to the Broadmoor (laughs) Hospital for the criminally insane. He was deemed unfit to stand trial, even though what he did was perfectly sane, and I don't want to live in a world that thinks (laughs) killing pedophiles is an insane thing to do. Anyway, in 1977, three years into his indefinite sentence, Maudsley's thirst for vigilante justice led him to a new target, David Francis. A convicted child molester. Good. Uh, now, the benevolent Maudsley was gracious enough to let another lover of justice, David Cheeseman, in on the act. The problem with his first murder, Maudsley thought, was that it was over too quickly. <laughs> Did you say murder? Murder? 
Moida. I didn't mean to. His name is Maudsley, so I'm kind of getting it. Right. The, the Ma- Maudsley Moiders. <laughs> the problem with his first murder, Maudsley thought, was, was that it was over too quickly. This time, he would need a little bit more time to achieve the levels of justice never before oh, seen or since in Christ. Britain. Cheeseman and Maudsley locked themselves in a cell with David Francis and took turns torturing him over a period of nine hours oh, while prison guards helplessly watched from outside, trying to convince the men not to kill Francis. Well, Here's okay. a tip. If someone is about to murder a pedophile, let them. <laughs> <laughs> When you say they locked themselves in there, those doors are unlocked from the outside. Do you think they were just standing out there being like, oh, no, please. No, don't kill him. (laughs) Don't do that. I don't know. Maybe they put something against the door, you know. (laughs) Yeah, he's cool. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) This nine-hour ordeal ended when Maudsley stabbed the man through the ear with a spoon and then smashed his head against the wall. Oh, Oh, my God. That's some fucking John Wick shit right there. Yeah. Since since the skull was cracked open and parts of the brain exposed and found on the spoon, a guard speculated that Maudsley had eaten part of the man's brain. There's little evidence to suggest this is true, and the coroner claims that no brain parts were missing. So in all likelihood, Maudsley did not eat his brain. On the other hand, there was no other food in that cell, and you probably work up quite an appetite when you're torturing (laughs) someone for nine hours. Holy shit, that's fucking insane with a spoon. Yeah. So, in a bizarre twist, the British justice system actually decided that Maudsley was fit to stand trial this time. (laughs) He was found guilty of manslaughter for some reason and therefore sent to the maximum security Wakefield prison. (laughs) He was found guilty of manslaughter. (laughs) Every source I read on this was actually said the same thing that I do. Like, believe it or not, as strange as this sounds. He was actually fit to stand trial this time. Manslaughter. Is that because murder can that's only do- apply to like when you kill a human and pedophiles aren't really human? <laughs> yeah. No, but mur- for murder, it has to be premeditated. Manslaughter is an unplanned murder. Wow, I think it, was, it sounds uh, no, pretty planned. That's not true. Yeah, that was definitely fucking planned. That was murder. That was not a manslaughter. I think they were just like doing him a solid. They're like, listen. <laughs> We'll give you a slight break here. Like we appreciate what you spoon. did. We're going to bump it down to manslaughter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Big fans. Big fans. So, we're about halfway through the murders, but the next two came thick and fast <laughs> in one afternoon the very next year. Oh, the Ma- same afternoon. Maudsley in- yeah. Oh. The, the very next year, Maudsley invited Selney Darwood, a convicted sex offender who was serving a sentence for killing his wife, into a cell. Maudsley had been giving, uh, Darwood had been giving Maudsley French lessons, so there was no reason to be suspicious. As soon as he entered, though, Maudsley stabbed Darwood in the back, neck, and head. Uh When Darwood fell to the floor, Maudsley continually stabbed him in the neck until he was sure he was dead. Then he rolled his body under the bed in the cell. Maudsley washed his hands and went outside to the exercise yard, (laughs) mingling with his fellow prisoners for about an hour. (laughs) What the fuck? After his walk around the yard, Maudsley spotted William Roberts in his cell. Roberts was serving a seven-year term for attack- attacking and attempting to rape a four-year-old girl. Why do oh. these pedophiles keep going near this guy who kills pedophiles? 
So think. I I just want to reiterate that. Think about that. That guy only got seven years yeah. for something totally unforgivable. If someone yeah. does that, they can never be trusted no. to be back in society again. So as Correct. far as I'm concerned, when Maudsley stabbed Roberts in the back of the head, then in the chest and face, before <coughs> repeatedly ramming the guy's head into the wall, he did the world a favour. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks to Maudsley, this pedophile, William Roberts, would not be out of prison in seven years to abuse more children because he died that day. Good. After the second murder, Maudsley walked into the prison officer's room, calmly placed his shank on the table, and informed (laughs) the CO there that the next roll call would be two prisoners short. (laughs) (laughs) What a boss. Metal as fuck. I'm also surprised that he was able to get like the shank out of his face after he rammed it into the wall. Like, <laughs> do you reckon he put his boot on like the dude's mic mo- mo- oh, and just ripped it out? Get he definitely did that. He did. Oh, you don't leave without your shank. Yeah, <laughs> got to turn this in. It's shank or be shanked. You don't want to leave a shank lying around. <laughs> um, okay, so. <laughs> Now we finally get to the isolation part. I'm sorry, but I had to set the stage there. Um, Since that day, Morsley has never been allowed to be housed in a normal prison cell. He was convicted of the two murders and given a whole life order, which is the British version of life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. In 1983, the prison built Morsley his very own cell, a magnificent 5.5 by 4.5 metre enclosure, slightly larger than a regular cell. And, to give the impression of even more space, the front of the cell was made with perspex. How mm. luxurious. It, it sounds like they are rewarding him. They've yeah, absolutely. Cell. He, he's like the only person to have, or like the Victoria Cross and be in prison for the rest of his life. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, Maudsley is still in that cell to this day. He's 66 years old, having spent 42 years in solitary confinement oh. and 39 of them in this particular cell. Jesus. He's allowed out to exercise for one hour per day. And during these transfers, he is usually escorted by six prison guards. Six prison <laughs> I don't think that's really necessary. What did you say? He's 66 wow. now, right? Yeah, he's 66. 66 yeah. yeah. And he's six prison guards, just to be safe. Wow. Lachlan said it's not necessary, but every time he's moved, uh, you know, in or out of his cell, the prison says they're going to use at least four guards. They won't move in with any less than four guards. Why? He's a fucking dangerous motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> but um, he's only if dangerous kids, if you fuck kids. That's right. <laughs> Which I think is completely <laughs> he's <been> reasonable. <laughs> he's been locked in a cage for a while. He's probably... Anyway, he has a concrete slab as a bed. And a table and chair made out of compressed cardboard. His toilet and sink are bolted to the floor. So, in the year 2000, Maudsley officially petitioned to be given a cyanide pill so he could commit suicide. In a letter to the Times, he wrote, I am left to stagnate, vegetate, and to regress. Left to confront my solitary head-on with people who have eyes but don't see, who have ears but don't hear, who have mouths but don't speak. My life in solitary is one long period of unbroken depression. So, man, yeah, it's uh, That's pretty heavy. sad. But he, he's been he's been trying to get some small luxuries in his room. Uh-huh. He says, "Why can't I have amazing pictures on my wall rather than the dirty, damp patches I currently have? Why can't I possess or purchase postage stamps so I can maintain contact with family, friends, people who contact me? 
Why can't I have handheld electronic games? Why can't I have toiletries? Fair so questions. Maudsley has been successful in some of these requests, such as postage stamps, and he was even given a television with a PlayStation. Oh, but his nice. requests to play board games with COs have been repeatedly denied. And his request for a pet, as well as his request for a pet budgie. Oh. <laughs> this, is a, this is a direct quote. Why can't I have a budgie instead of the flies and cockroaches and spiders that I currently have? I promise to love it and not eat it. How long did you have to like clarify that? I will not eat it. Yeah, uh, I will. I read that and I was like, kill it with a spoon though. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking maybe you can't have a bird because you mentioned eating it in your request. <laughs> like, no one thought you were going to kill and eat a raw bird until you brought it up. <laughs> Just yeah, the fact that you lips. say you're not going to do it makes us think yeah, that you're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, the warden's like reading his request. He's like, pet budgie? Yeah, I can probably do that. I'm not going to eat it. Oh, <laughs> he's going to eat it, budgie. <laughs> Give this one this. Oh, fuck it up. Anyway, 42 years in a cage with no relationships is not an acceptable way to treat any human being, least of all a goddamn British hero uh-huh. whose only crime was keeping children safe from pedophiles, something that the British police refuse to do to this day, might oh. I add. Oh, topical. Boom. I went there. So, <laughs> what should happen to Robert Maudsley? Well, in my opinion, he's too dangerous to be allowed out in civil society ever again. He can't be trusted, unfortunately. And he clearly would rather die than continue to living the way he currently is living. Therefore, I say he should be knighted for his acts of service <laughs> to the British public and then be given a final meal of his choosing, choosing and executed in his preferred method. If he is Catholic, then he should also be canonised to become St. Maudsley, <laughs> the patron saint of sweet, sweet vengeance. <laughs> I think what you should actually do is put him to work, right? Just give him a That's list right. of um, sex offenders that are out on probation that the system let fall through the cracks. Dexterize him. Yeah, and just exactly. set him to work. He's clearly very uh, efficient and effective, so just yeah. point him give in him the right whole, direction and let him go. Give him a whole cutlery drawer and just let him go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Let's see what he can do with a shank. Imagine what he could do with an action man. Oh, good God. <laughs> yeah. And that way you're solving <laughs> multiple problems with one murderous stone. <laughs> I do feel really bad for the guy, though. Like, I mean, I don't really know. They can't really leave him in in, in normal prison. But I just no. think if if he wants to die, like, why keep him alive? Can't you just give him something? And then if he takes it, it's his decision. Yeah, that's that's a that's a whole other argument, I think, mm. about also- euthanasia. It's euthanasia locker. Why, yeah. why can't he be left in Gen Pop prison? Like, just let him clean up this. Fuck <laughs> it's, it's it's just a win win. Like he gets to do what it's he not loves. good for the cleaners, Brad. Like blood is hard to get off. You know? <laughs> yeah, but it costs a lot less than feeding pedophiles for twenty uh, years. Believe it or mm, not, true. prisons actually have a duty of care to their prisoners, which I, don't I know it sounds ridiculous, but. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, they're they're supposed to make sure they don't get fucking spooned in the brain. (laughs) (laughs) Look, if if someone's in there for like, I don't know, tax evasion or something, yeah, don't let them get spooned in the brain. But the guys who are diddling kids, maybe look the other way. 
Well, they shouldn't be put into prison in the first place. They should just be executed on site. Yeah, or put them into prison and provide some entertainment for the other prisoners. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Gladiator. Gladiator, exactly. Yeah, Let's they should just have, like a, just have like a pedophile death match. Just put all the pedophiles in a cage and tell them that the winner gets their freedom and then at the end just execute the winner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on board. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah. yeah, so anyway, this, this leads me into... Morgan's, would you rather? Mm-hmm. Morgan. 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 Morgan's, would you rather? Okay, so I'm asking you guys if you would rather uh-huh. life imprisonment without the possibility of parole or executed. Oh. So, is is life imprisonment the same as what Maudsley's got? Like, you know, nope. it's very, very hard to get, like, any- Entertainment or luxuries or anything? Um, no, I think just so just not, in general, life imprisonment yeah, so and solitary. whatever happens in prison happens. You know, if you kill people in prison, they're going to put you in solitary. If you play your cards right, maybe they don't. Okay, you know, so it's not solitary. Just, I, like I'm in Gen Pop, I could be getting raped in the butt and stuff. Could be raping in the butt. Well, that's look true. on the bright side. <laughs> sure, that's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah, don't say yourself short. <laughs> um, Always I the rapey, never the raper. <laughs> That's right. What? I'm just. Okay. I'm, I'm making one, one myself question. a victim. You're right. What crime was I put in there for? This is a big problem. <laughs> that's a good uh, point because that dictates how the uh, other yeah. prisoners are going to treat you. Um, well, I think you can. In most countries, you can only be executed for um, murders. So I don't know. Double murder. Okay, murders are looked upon favorably. So let's say you OJ it's somebody. De- yeah, it depends who. Convicted. Depends who you murdered. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. You, let's say you almost decapitated your ex-wife and her lover. <laughs> All right, so favorably then. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think um, that'll be okay in prison. Yeah, I, I'd take mm. the prison. I'd mm. take I'd take execution. Yeah, Just get over done with. Be executed. Yeah, I think I can handle being locked up. No, but if I Wouldn't if you, you well. OJ someone, you become a bit of a like a, an icon in the prison. You know? Yeah, but you're still in prison. But what are you living for? <laughs> what's 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 the goal? What? What's good? What 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 good is happening in prison? I don't you're, know, just, mate. you're not living a life. Maybe worth I living. maybe I lead a, a coup and we take over the prison and escape or something. I don't know. <laughs> I got time. I got time. Wait, when you, you got time yeah, to actually plan? I got nothing but time. But when you give up, you give up, mate. So you know, I'll take the prison. I'm a fighter. Brad. Brad, with those lips, you would not fare well in prison. <laughs> <laughs> I'd fare well if I'd cut the head off two people. So. <laughs> I don't know. Ain't no all, one fucking with the guy who cut the head off two people. All it takes is uh, one guy to smash your teeth out and it's all over have for you, you, mate. Have you seen Jeffrey Dahmer? That man was the most effeminate person and no one fucked with him in prison because he fucking ate people. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's how it works. The people don't want to fuck with True. you and the weird dude who fucks with was. Body. He was... Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. If you're in there for cannibalism, you'd probably be left alone. Yeah, exactly. Cutting the head off people is fucking. I mean, he was actually close. gay though, so he probably wanted to fuck dudes. Yeah, so. no, it was probably a tragedy for him. But yeah, exactly. See, doesn't matter <laughs> what happens, prison, you don't get what you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just think it's not. It wouldn't be a life. Yeah, no, nah, worth I'd living. Definitely go execution. Yeah, um, bunch yeah. of quitters. Okay, but in terms of in terms of this Robert Maudsley guy, I don't think I can think of a worse punishment. 
than sitting in a cell for 42 years without human contact or being able to like form a genuine relationship yeah, that's with anybody. Not, that's and not um, rehabilitation. That's just punishment. Yeah. Well, he's never going to be let out. He was oh. given a whole life order. There's no possibility of parole. So, they're really just waiting for him to die. They're actually not trying to rehabilitate him no. at all. They're not even giving the pretense of that because he's not ever getting out. Yeah. So, like, I think sitting in a cell with nothing but your thoughts all day would be hell. And especially for someone like him who's been through so much trauma. Like, yeah. That would just, he would only have those sort of things to think about. So, it would be terrible. So, I think it's really, really cruel what they're doing to him. Yep. Yep. But I, I think even this Robert Morsley guy, like, I don't think any of his crimes were um, bad. I mean, they're <laughs> certainly certainly not things that you would want your next door neighbor to have done. So, I can understand that you don't want him in civil society. But he's not, you know, even even for someone who's done something really bad, like even a pedophile, for example, like, I, I think with them, you should just kill them. Like, I don't want them to suffer needlessly. And I think it's like wow. an unemotional, rational decision. You just a, you can't be trusted in society, so we're never letting you out. But if you're not going to be let out, then what's the point of keeping you alive? Let's they should be executed, but given a painful on. execution. Why? What's the point? <laughs> what's the point? Make yeah, me feel better. Yeah, retribution. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I just think it would be just get rid of them. You know, yeah. I don't want to. I don't. I don't. I, I think that's not a good thing. This, to is, this is a your, whole other conversation that you yes. have for an entire episode about this. Let's do it. Well, all right. Schedule it. All right, Brad. Do you want to uh, go next? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Free Robert Maudsley. <laughs> <laughs> well, as, well, as we've heard from you guys, isolation comes in many different forms. Uh, uh-huh. Some people choose to be have isolated. We? Others need to be isolated. Um, but what about the people who are isolated against their will? All right. So, like Robert Bosley. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, prisoners obviously are isolated against their will, but you know what I mean. Like some people need to be isolated for medical reasons and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Quarantined, you might say. <laughs> anyway, in the past on the podcast, we've discussed Joseph Fritzel and his oh, treatment no. of his own daughter Elizabeth. Yep. He locked her God. away, isolated her from the world for 24 years. Yeah, we know, we know, we know. Yep. Just, um, just yep. a recap for anyone who hasn't heard. Um, no, we don't need it. But Elizabeth was nearly an adult when she was held captive by her father. So what happens when a child is forcibly isolated? Oh, no. Ooh. I know what you're going to talk about. <laughs> I was looking through some famous cases of isolation when I stumbled across oh. feral kids. Oh, no. Feral, this is what I was going to talk but- about, but I decided not to because it's too horrible. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Oh, um, this is really interesting. As I was reading through them, each case was more bizarre than the last. Mm. So, today, guys, I've decided to discuss two of these, specifically. Um, the first is probably the most well-known feral kid, and that is of Jeannie. Jeannie is a pseudonym for her, but she was born in Arcadia in California in 1957. Many of her details have been deliberately kept secret from the public due to the horrific circumstances in which she grew up. For a lack of a better term, her father, Clark Wiley, was a cunt. He'd never Mm. wanted children, and when Jeannie's mother became pregnant and gave birth, despite his best attempts, uh, he he forced her, uh, I'm laughing because it's horrible, to keep her first child in the garage. This child died of pneumonia at the age of 10 weeks. His second Fuck. child was born a year later and died at the age of two days 
from choking on his own mucus. His third child was born a healthy boy, but suffered at his hands as well, experiencing severe physical and linguistic delays as he was instructed by... um, as his wife was instructed by him to keep the child quiet at all times. Eventually, the child was taken from the couple and sent to live with his maternal grandmother, where he saw rapid improvement, which is... Thank God. Positive. Then, finally, there was Jeannie. This three-time father of the year was going for the (laughs) four-pill. Fucking hell, Brad. (laughs) When Jeannie was just 20 months old, uh, her father locked her in a room of the house and forbade anyone in the family from interacting with her. For the next 12 years, this would be all Jeannie knew. Her father strapped her to a child's toilet seat, a, tile, a child's toilet, sorry, during the day, and then strapped a sleeping bag to her at night. He forced the rest of the family to sleep in the living room. Rather than talk to Jeannie, he would bark, growl, and hiss at her. He grew oh his my God. fingernails out and scratched her. And then, when she would continue to make noise, he would beat her with a pink plastic plank that he kept in the room at all times. Oh, my God. He fed Jeannie as little food as possible and never anything solid, so it was all baby food, uh, Uh. milk, mushed-up stuff. Um, And he would spoon it into her mouth as fast as possible, and if she began to choke, he would rub her face in it. Uh, His control over his own family knew no bounds, He refused to let his wife even leave the house or call people like her parents or anyone on the phone. When Jeannie was 13 years old, her mother had a big bust up with her father because she wanted to call her parents. And when she threatened to leave, he finally relented. Jeannie's mother took her daughter and went to visit her parents. Then, on a subsequent trip to apply for disability benefits, she accidentally walked into a social services office. The (laughs) worker there... (laughs) Accidentally, because she was blind. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. Which is why she was going to... Well, she was legally blind. She wasn't, like, full blind, like, black. Yeah. Like, she could okay. see shapes and stuff like that. Um, so, she was trying to find the disability benefits office so she could apply for those, but she walked into a social services office. And the worker there immediately realized that there was something completely wrong with Jeannie. Um, uh-huh. And contacted the CPS on Jeannie's family. When the worker arrived, Jeannie was immediately taken from the family and her parents arrested on child abuse charges. Um, Good. The day before this case was to be heard, Jeannie's father killed himself with a single gunshot to the head, getting off a lot lighter than the prick deserved. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, her case made worldwide headlines uh, when she was rescued because she couldn't communicate in any meaningful way. She was unable to focus her eyes more than 10 feet in front of herself because that was the size of the room that she was kept in. She couldn't walk, and she couldn't even stand up straight. Researchers all over the country also took great interest, as they saw this as an opportunity to study how people acquire their linguistic skills. Several doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, and researchers were given access to Jeannie in an attempt to understand what had happened and whether anything could be done to help her. Ah, they took advantage of her. Yeah. Like, there was a lot of people who were involved, a lot of fingers in pies. Uh-huh. Communication with Jeannie was intensely difficult, as she showed no external sign of acknowledgement to any external stimuli. And after months of work, they were able to begin to communicate non-verbally, so sort of gesturing towards things and um, 
and sort of facial stuff, but she really, really struggled. Um, over the years, after years of work, they were able to teach her new words. So she had a, a vocabulary of about 15 to 20 words, um, but no concept of how to use them grammatically. So she could say like a single word, like no uh. or yes or food or whatever. Um, but she, even then, she still used the words very infrequently. <laughs> Though she showed drastic improvement over the following years, both physically and linguistically, um, like is often the case, human greed, power, or whatever got the better of people, and Jeannie was the one to foot the bill. Initially, she was staying with her therapist family, but one of her other workers, which I, I'm not sure if she was a researcher, I think she was a researcher, um, convinced her mother, who at this time had been cleared of child abuse charges, which fucking don't get me started on that, <laughs> um, <laughs> con- convinced her to apply for custody of, of Jeannie, and eventually this was actually granted, which fucking... Again, for the love of God, I don't understand the fucking justice uh. system. Um, Jeannie's mother, the shit show of a human being that she was, couldn't adequately care for her daughter and returned her to custody of the state uh, after a couple of months. Uh, then Jeannie would spend the next decade or so bouncing between foster homes, many of whom were physically and mentally abusive as Jeannie herself was not easy to handle, often becoming violent or trying to harm herself with little to no warning. That was one of the big things with her is that her moods just flipped, so she would be not even talking, but she'd be just standing there or doing something, and then she would be trying to self-harm herself, um, be or, you know, screaming, making noise, throwing things around, because her the things that her dad did to her, there would be a trigger, and if she did something incorrectly, this is later what they found out, she would just try and hurt herself as a punishment for it to stop her from doing it in the future. Um, She also had a lifelong fear of cats and dogs because her dad used to hiss and growl and scratch her, which is pretty fucked up. Um, Yeah, so all that time while her mother and her the the worker who'd convinced her mother to apply for custody, um, they did everything as well to prevent anyone from having any contact with her. So researchers, therapists, any, anyone who'd been involved with her case because they thought that they were trying to exploit it, which I think some people... Yeah, I think they I mean, definitely were. Yeah, it was like it was in the back of their mind, like, oh, I could get famous off this, or, you know, I could be the person who understands how linguistics are, are acquired by babies and in their formative years, or I could be the person who shows that uh. human language skills are innate. So, you know, like, there, there was a lot to be... Like, people were very interested in this. Um but they, yeah, they prevented anyone from contacting her at all. So Jeannie's mother died in 2003 and her older brother, who had managed to escape a fair bit of the abuse but still wasn't wasn't, a, wasn't right, um, he didn't see her again after 1982 and he passed away in 2011. So with no real family to speak of, as of 2016, Jeannie remains a ward of the state in California, living in a private care facility established for adults with intellectual disabilities. Her real name and current location are all hidden from anyone who wishes to pry into her past, but as mm. she would be at the moment probably 62 to 63 years old. Uh. Um, now, someone did track her down using a private investigator, and this is, again, this was in 2016, so this is the last information that anyone's gotten on her, but they said that she appeared happy, but she still didn't speak or anything like that. So, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty fucked up situation. Um and it's it's a bit heavy, so I found one that's slightly less heavy. Well, just before you go on, yeah. like, it, if you, it's, there's so many things that if you don't learn them by a certain 
time, you can never yeah. really do them. And that that's- <laughs> Language is a big one. You know- It's not- Yeah, and it's- it's unintuitive as well because you think you know you're older you'd you'd be able to pick up language at any time but it's like if you if you haven't been exposed to it really young yeah. then you don't get it and the more you're exposed to it the better you are and that's why kids are, have so much yeah. better chance of being bilingual if they have parents that speak two languages yeah. right from the start rather than you know trying to learn a language in high school or something like that it's uh-huh. really hard whereas if you did it from birth it's so much simpler. So, yeah, it's just it, – that's so terrible. And I think I, – I don't want to step on your toes, Brad, in case you, this is the next one you're talking about. But I think there was a king in England or a prince or someone like that who thought that if you kept children from learning any language, that they would speak the language of the angels or the language of God or something oh, like that. I'm not doing that one, but that does seem like the kind of fucked up reasoning that someone would come up with, yes? Yeah, so they did that to, like, a few kids and they just – came out just without any ability to communicate, communicate yeah. at all. So, yeah. it's just like a terrible, terrible thing to do and it just, yeah. Yeah, so like um, when, when, when you're developing, probably I think the first four years are the most critical for that. You've got really good neural elasticity and you need yeah. to develop those pathways and then keep using them. So, like you said, uh-huh. like bilingual families talking multiple languages, it, it helps as the repetitions there. Once you get to a certain age, Doing that kind of stuff becomes very, like, extremely difficult. It's not that it's impossible, but you're never going to be able to have a relatively normal life. Like, things just become very, very, very hard because those pathways aren't established. Um, Mm. So, yeah, basically they got her to the point where they actually believe she had quite a large vocabulary. She just didn't choose to use it. Um, but grammar Mm. was never going to work for her. She, She Grammatically, she couldn't understand, you know, like, commas and how to um, construct a sentence properly. It was just never going to happen. It was always just going to be words sort of roughly strung together. Um, Fuck. But, yeah, yeah, it's pretty fucked up. When when she started bouncing between all the foster homes, she she lost a lot of it because she started becoming pretty depressed and she thought that she was moving houses. She she expressed that she thought that she was moving houses because she wasn't being good enough and she became very Uh. withdrawn. Which is doubly tragic because no one stopped to even give a shit about what was best for her. No, um, that's right. Foster homes are notoriously not good environments. Yeah, for especially for someone with in, like an intellectual disability. Essentially, yeah, it's just it's always going to be a fucking shit show. Um, and there are always abandonment issues. Yeah. So you know, if you feel like you someone took you in and then they gave you back, like mm. that's not a nice feeling. Well, and that's the fuck thing is she was with a therapist, and whether you agree with. They maybe they were trying to take advantage of her or whatever. She showed incredible improvement while she was there. She was living with a therapist, um, his wife, and I think three kids. And she seemed to have um, done really well while she was there. So whether or not you think that he was exploiting her or not, that can be a secondary motive. But at least she was making improvement while she was there. When she was ripped away from him to go live with her fucking mother, just doesn't make uh, I don't know. Don't get me started on the justices. It doesn't make any oh. fucking sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it was a pretty heavy one. So I, I found one that's slightly less heavy because I wanted to try to end yes. on that. Um, so the next one I found was Sujit the Chicken Boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is exactly what you're thinking. It is a... a half boy, half chicken. There's a, a kid that was raised by chicken. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't even get 
you know, like wolves or monkeys. He didn't get anything cool. He got chickens. Um, and he was discovered by an Australian woman in 2002. So he lived in Suva, Fiji. And when uh-huh. she discovered him, um, he was living in the Samabula, so I probably butchered that, but Samabula Old People's Home. Um, and when she found him, he was strapped to a bed and had been for the last 22 years. Jesus which, Christ. Yeah, so it wasn't – so when I say strapped, sorry, he was more tethered to the bed. So he had a um, sheets tied around his waist and then they were tied to the wall so he couldn't really move off the bed. Ah, oh, that's terrible. Yeah, it's not great. Um and basically, the more she looked into it, her name was Elizabeth Clayton. The more she looked into it, she found out that his father was murdered when he was just born, and his mother then killed herself when he was four. So she he was left with his grandparents, which is super great. And his grandparents thought that he had a devil in him because he had cerebral palsy. No context So this. This no context fact is turtles in hibernation breathe underwater through their cloacas. This specialized sex organ is particularly vascularized, allowing them to draw oxygen from the water around them. <laughs> fun, fun fact there. Um, so, anyway, where was I? Uh, so, his grandparents, or his grandfather, thought he had the devil in him because he had cerebral palsy, so he locked him in a chicken coop for the next four years. Um, Jesus Christ That'll do it That'll do it And after four years uh, Basically he They were proven right He thought he was a chicken And he would scratch around in the dirt and I'm a chicken Marge Peck food And he would even roost So he wouldn't sleep laying down He would sleep sitting up in like a crouch what? position What? Oh yeah. Jesus uh, And then eventually he got out of the cage And much like the movie Chicken Flew away. Chicken Run <laughs> Um Made a run for it, and they, he was discovered on the road just wandering around pecking at stuff. Why did the chicken cross the road? <laughs> because it had cerebral palsy. Oh, um, good. God. Now, but yeah, so he, I'm only laughing because this has a happy ending. Um, so, yeah, he was found pecking around the side of the road, and people, again, were really like, what the fuck do we do here? So they took him to the Samabula, old people's home, and he stayed there for 22 years. Um, strapped to the bed and then when Elizabeth Clayton found him he was 32 years old and basically she adopted him and opened up a place called the Happy Home and she now houses 13 orphans there including Sajid and he's practically unrecognizable now so he's had a really good bounce back so at least he heard people talking around him even though no one talked to him directly they just left him in bed he was still exposed to language yeah so he was still exposed to language um and, like, even when he was younger in the chicken coop, he still could hear people talking. So that um, no one would interact with him and they would only throw food in there for, like, a bit of food in there for him. But, oh, oh my um, God. At least, I guess, those pathways were made when he was in his formative yeah, years. So yeah. he, he actually um, can now interact with people, not not normally, like, he's not very verbal, but he can indicate what he needs to do using cards and he can go to markets and he, he doesn't get aggressive, he doesn't freak out. Uh, and there's a great YouTube video because Today Tonight did a story on it in 2014, like a follow-up. Oh. And you can see that the the change is insane. Like, he, he just looks like a normal normal person who has cerebral palsy. So, it's a yeah. pretty nice. inspirational story there. And then Elizabeth Clayton, she's a she's an absolute champion. So, oh. giving her props. I don't know if anything's happened since then. Maybe, like, in the preceding 15 years, she started – I mean, five years, she's beating him or something. I don't know if that happened. <laughs> don't I, – I take back my <laughs> – Props for Bradley. If nothing has changed, 
Elizabeth Clayton, you're a champion for what you did. So, yeah. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> ah, good stuff. <laughs> good stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's really messed up story. The the chicken one, and that's that's really sad. How some, you know, other cultures mm-hmm. kind of treat disability as a, you know, a religious thing. Well, yeah, like it you that God hates you for some reason, oh. so that you know mm-hmm. it's it's a shame and it's an embarrassment for you to for us to take you out and blah blah blah. So it's it's a really sad thing in some cultures that it's like that. And um, yep, yeah, this is I stand by absolutely. that militant atheist remark from the start of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, going the uh, atheist paradise of. Uh, Look, North Korea, Soviet Union, China. All that's right. Things. Because you morality never, comes from the Bible and nowhere else. You would never catch us Jews um, locking, <laughs> them, <laughs> locking children in the chicken coop. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, all right. Well, you know, very disturbing, Brad. Thanks for doing that. You're always like to give us. Oh God, I'm just trying to think now what Brad's power rank is going to be. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> No, no, no. After last week, I have decided to. I'm just going to come out and say it. Tone it down. Team one this week. It's a team. Okay. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Uh, But before we get to Brad's power rankings, Lachlan is actually going to use this episode to debut his new segment. So, Lachlan, take it away. Okay. I still don't have an intro song for it, but uh... (laughs) do one on the spot. Yeah, do it. Pressure's on. If I have one, it has been edited in in post, um, and you would have heard it already. But this is Lachlan's Advice Corner, helping losers act normal. So uh, I've, I've been written to this week by someone who'd like to remain anonymous, which is completely fair and completely within the bounds of this uh, segment. But if you need help with someone, something, please uh, send us an email, send us a message on social media. Direct it to myself, and uh, I'll give you my advice. So, the question this week is, I have shit in-laws. What do I do? (laughs) Now, I have a lot of lived experience in this field. Uh, (laughs) I I feel like... You can't say that. (laughs) Listen, the one of my in-laws who listens to this is not the one that's the issue, and he knows Okay, okay, Uh, okay. So, here's here's my advice for you, anonymous person. Whenever you're forced to go to a function where they are, just get really drunk. That's what I do. <laughs> and it works for me. Because either you get drunk enough to not give a shit about them, or you get drunk enough to not give a shit about your spouse not wanting you to tell them what you really think, and you tell them what you really think. And it's just a fun time. So... That's uh, that's Lachlan's <laughs> advice corner. Helping losers act normal. Okay, <laughs> go with me. If you call them losers, do you really expect to get anywhere? <laughs> well, we've got one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair. Person remanded on us. And by and by act normal in this sense, act normal means get hammered and act inappropriately. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's, normal. that's a pretty normal way to deal with terrible. In-laws, so I think so. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Solid advice. I would take that. Um, yep. All right. That was the, the first installment and possibly last installment <laughs> of Lachlan's Advice Corner. So, helping losers act normal. Bradley, it's time for your uh, power rankings. 
power rankings. <laughs> Alright, this week, guys. No context facts with blood. Drew Pinsky of Dr. Drew fame first appeared on TV as a contestant on The Price is Right in 1984. He did not win. Oh, wow. Mm. <laughs> what a shit fact. <laughs> oh, that was a great fact. Fuck you. I like it. I like it. That's good. Yeah. Anyway, I thought you'd appreciate it because you love Dr. Drew. That one was for you. Anyway. Um, <laughs> tough crowd. Yeah, tough crowd. <laughs> Fucking tough crowd. Uh, so anyway, seeing as how I have converted to Judaism... As you mentioned at the start of the show, I have also uh-huh. taken a more, uh, what do you call it, like a more tame stance on the this Jewish? power ranking, just to make up and show that I, I genuinely, I care. And I, I'm sorry. I have remorse. You know, there's a bit of remorse here, yeah. So it's a <laughs> top five non-essential items to survive social isolation. And now okay. anyone, anyone can do a boring list with essential items, but this week I'm flipping the whole system on its fucking head. Here's the shit you wish you'd thought of, but now it's too late because the apocalypse is hit. So, uh-huh. uh, starting at five, we're going down to number one. One obviously being the best item. No, you're working your way up to number one. Well, I'm not working it up here. Whatever. Fuck that. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know the deal. We do this every fucking time. <laughs> explain it wrong every time. Yeah, well, uh, it makes sense in my head. And I'm the one who fucking <laughs> does the segment, so you can just shut up. So, number five. Floss. Yeah. Okay. It's got a million applications. If you it's don't definitely not me, essential. It's got one application, yeah. <laughs> okay. Need to kill someone stealthily? Well, no worries. You've got a handy roll of pocket garrote. <laughs> That's one. Right there. So it's at least two. It can uh, use it as fishing line. What? You can use it as fishing line. Exactly. See? Although Great. fishing's banned in Victoria at the moment, so it's probably not, not very useful. Not when the government collapses. So, <laughs> anyway. We all, all we all know toothpaste may steal the show, but the guy getting shit done behind the scenes is floss. Okay, so <laughs> okay. all right, you're welcome. Number four, my hard boiled egg cooker. What? <laughs> I have Hang one of on. these, and if it gives up on me before my body does, you'll hear about it on the news. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is definitely uh, not essential. No. no. Um. Anyway. <laughs> I can't back. I, I I can't go back to the old boil them and hope they're not overcooked method. It's I've lived the good life for way too fucking long. So if you guys don't have a hard hard boiled egg cooker, it's a fucking problem. How does a hard boiled egg cooker work? Does it just boil water around the egg? Because that's what you. That's no, how you boil an egg. No, 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 no. There's a specific measuring. Man, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Morgan's had them. They're fucking amazing. Yeah, Perfect I'm going. every time. I'm going. Yeah, you're prepared. All right. Mm-hmm. So number three, socks. Elton Brown's rolling in his grave right now. Who? Oh, he would be if he was dead. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, number three, socks. Now, I don't think we give socks the love they deserve. Every day they act as the thin blue line that stops our shoes from fucking us up. <laughs> think about any apocalypse movie you've seen and their shoes are all fucked up and manky and you know they aren't wearing socks. I know why people are killing each other off in swathes and it's because their fucking feet hurt. So socks underappreciated. Number three, when the world ends, I'm going to make sure I have a stockpile of socks. All right, a sock pile. Sock pile. Nice. I like it. I will be <laughs> patenting that. Uh, number two, jelly. 
It's the perfect food. <laughs> Fuck it, change my mind. <laughs> change my mind. Enough said. Yeah, you just add hot water and presto. It's a fucking delicious treat. It never spoils. You don't have a machine that adds the hot water for you like you do with your no. eggs? No, no. It's got a kettle on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it never spoils. We all know those packets in the back of your mum's fucking what? pantry are going to outlast us. I honestly challenge you to think of a better apocalypse ration. <laughs> you can't. Okay. You can't. All right. Anyway, number one, a deck of cards. This is the most mm. versatile gaming invention in history. I'm just going to list off a few. Poker, Patience, Bullshit, Blackjack, or Rummy, Gin Rummy, Hearts, Canasta, <laughs> 500, Crazy Eights, Cribbage, Go Fish, Old Maid, Concentration, Solitaire, and Egyptian Rat Screw. I could go on, but I think I've made my motherfucking point. And that is the number one non-essential item to survive social isolation. You can also do uh, magic tricks with them. I said and I could go on. You can, you can, can throw cards. Okay. <laughs> you can throw the cards. Like you can throw learn to them. throw. Yeah, like uh, that X-Man. Who does yeah, it? Gambit. Well, I did I did say they were the most versatile. I mean, I think that yep. covers it. Yep. I'm agreeing with you. I'm just helping your argument. I think, I think what we've learned from last week and this week, Brad, is that Brad's power rankings is best when it straddles the line of acceptability. Did he go too far? Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. He definitely and did. And I think last week and this week, you've given us the two extremes. Way, way, way too far, and then not even close as to a, the line. As a proud so Jewish I, man, I can't go much further than this. Right? So I have to leave the see religion you. of the chosen, or okay, I, have to, I have to be perfectly straight edge, okay? It's one or the other. Let the people vote right, on we it. Want it. We want to see you riding that line again next week, Brad. Like, you know, just on the edge of it. I didn't <laughs> ride that to cross it, line. but I, not. I will cross that line. <laughs> hey, shut up. Threatening to cross it. it without making Holocaust jokes. So. <laughs> I wasn't specifically laughing at the Holocaust. It was more the, the camps. <laughs> the worst just part the of the Holocaust. Murders. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, anyway. Okay. I'm done. Well, all right. So away. Actually, to be fair, it's probably the first time I've heard Brad. Um, last week was probably the first time I've heard Brad use the official numbers. He's always like, "I thought it was more like sixty thousand." That's what he says. <laughs> He's like six million. I don't think it's six million. <laughs> That's my okay. people you're talking about. Right All right. I'm like Brad. Chuck a couple extra zeros on that. <laughs> and he's like, I just don't see how it could have happened. Anyway, <laughs> okay. my All people. Right. That's going to do us. Like Morgan said at the top, uh, like, subscribe, favourite, all that shit. Uh, And again, thank you for listening. And please be sure to share these episodes with your friends. One like equals one shalom. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) See you next week.